This is The Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching The Outcast. I'm Ben Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. I'm Derek. This is my first time watching this episode. You ready? Yep. And three, two, one, engage. Not a lot of laughs with this one. It's a pretty pretty serious episode. Boy, you ain't lying. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, you know, a couple of light moments, you know. But uh, generally, uh, generally a heavy note. This ending. This shot, man. I mean, you. We're gonna find out later that there are uh, species without gender, but apparently, gender just means everyone dresses the same and has the same haircut. <laughs> I mean, is that? Yeah, they say. Yeah. Uh, they they say androgynous in the captain's log, and we're like, oh, okay, so kind of like a bothy neithery thing. Uh, for all of its interest in talking about gender. Uh, they're not yeah. really good at it. I feel like I feel like there was something they could have read even in the nineties. Yeah, about well, yeah. I mean, there's. I, I happen to know that gender theory. There has been some important papers in gender theory even as far back as the seventies. So I know there was literature. Um, them not reading the literature is somewhat on brand. I think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know the 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 deal that uh. You know, I guess we'll we'll kind of find out later. But yeah, I don't um, I don't get why they all have to look the same, and um, I don't see how that 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 androgyny or non-binary means we all look the same. But <laughs> yeah, it is specifically uh, androgyny, which I don't know if that's neither or both. Um, I don't really know the the technical definition of it, but same. they just mean not not male, not lady, right? So. Uh, which is just a baffling concept. Right. Anything outside the gender spectrum is androgynous for these guys. Right. Not, not anything outside of the gender binary is uh, is alien. And that, yeah. that's kind of. I wonder point. what this those. I, I wonder what the writers of this episode are doing now. Like, have they just like <laughs> have they looked back on their work and like, oh wow, man. I mean, I guess like most artists look back on their old work and like, ah, it's garbage. But yeah, uh, I you know I just ha- can't help but wonder. If they kind of feel comfortable with this episode or if they kind of wish they could rewrite it or, or what, what the deal would be with respect to kind of the androgyny, you know, non-gender binary angle. I mean, I, I think they, they fluffed on the details and it is interesting that this, this episode, we are getting way ahead of ourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, This episode is reads as a gay allegory. Which is how, you know, I read it initially. That's how I read it for, like, years afterwards. But when you look at it now, a lot like um, The Host, where Dr. Crusher falls in love with someone and then it's like, well, you know, if if you fell in love with him as a man, can you not love her as a woman? Like, there's certainly gay themes there, but there's also a lot of trans themes. And the trans themes seem more... um, and I want to say from like a modern perspective, because trans people been existing and a trans person in the 90s would look at this and go, yeah, I get that. People hate me because my gender wrong. Not wrong, but because yeah, yeah. Um, they, they think, think my gender is wrong. Yeah. Um, and like they would get that instantly. And that's what this is. And it's just that they're they're trying to take the far less um, progressive uh, defensive homosexuality through the right. lens of well, what if all the genders were mixy uppy? 
Right. Yeah. Um, like, I, you know, this, this notion up, of like, oh, well, what if it wasn't that cut and dry? What if it could happen to you uh, sort of deal? Um, and I uh, like, look at this room. They're almost they're almost all in the same <laughs> like color. Like there's one dude in blue or person, whatever. They got, there's one person. They got in a blue. lot of er- <laughs> <laughs> um, they got they got a lot of uh, the earth tones that Star Trek is known for. Yeah. There are a lot of different cuts to their jumpsuits. Yeah. None of them flattering. I get that. Because I think whenever you're like, these people are uh, androgynous, I, I might just call them genderless at some point in the future. But Yeah. Um, or monogendered. But if they look male or female, audiences are going to go, oh, that one's really male. That one's really female. Yeah. People who are like super invested in the gender binary, like way more uh than i am yeah like people who believe that a dog should not wear a pink bow because it's a boy (laughs) don't care yeah yeah Um, also probably can't see pink pink the way you do those guys are gonna (laughs) look at this room full of aliens and go that one's actually a girl that one's actually a boy that one's actually a girl yeah yeah they're gonna Um, label them all like all right now i'm comfortable now i'm comfortable with all my boxes labeled well, they're going to say, well, they're not really boys or girls, and therefore Soren's actually a girl, and therefore, you know, yeah. the concept of not being a gender is the problem here. And as the viewer, we're supposed to take that for granted. They're aliens. They yeah. don't have our genders. Yeah. Um, like, this should be way more common in Star Trek, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the one time where we're trying to get that point across. Uh, right. You know, I'm a I'm a big believer that... Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to talk about levels of fiction here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is that, I mean, it's, I don't know where the state of vocabulary in talking about gender issues is in the 90s. Like, I wasn't really, you know, I, I was a dumb teenager in the 90s. So I don't know, you know, but our our vocabulary about talking about this issue, these issues has definitely evolved since then. And so I think that is part of the reason why this looks a little, some of the problems uh, are because either it existed, but it wasn't looked for or it didn't exist. And um, yeah. Yeah. So I like that, uh, like, we are completely talking over this. Yeah, story, yeah. Which is, the, the Enterprise is helping out the Janai. The Janai have people who are lost in null space. Yeah. Which I don't, it's just not a real thing. Yeah. And. Space pocket. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wet, it's a wet pocket in space. Yeah. Yeah. And the Janai are genderless and Riker's working with one of the genderless people Soren. called Soren. Yeah, and she's schooling him and, on how to be a pilot, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess we should call Sor, Soren a she, since we'll learn that that is how she identifies later. Um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Dang. I did, we're having I? we're having the pronoun discussion, <laughs> and I mean, and he does it too. Right like he says, like, "Hey, listen, yeah. you said he, and we don't have any genders." And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay, my bad. I I, <laughs> I learned to speak with the concept of genders, and so, I, and it feels rude. So I don't really know how to form sentences, and that's like a. Like, you get the sense that Riker is not being a dick here. Like, he's like, hey, just suck it up, okay? You're a girl and just deal with it. Like, he's saying, like, listen, yeah. I, I, I'm having trouble. Like, it's, I get it, I, you know, and I'm not trying to be an idiot here. I just don't know how to say the things I want to say. 
And so yeah. I apologize if like sometimes when I try to do my best and I fail, it, it it's not coming from a place of malice. It's just coming from a place of ignorance. And that's that's charismatic. Like that's kind of like, okay, man, that's you're trying, dude. Thanks. The you know, the notion that the Janai are like, oh, we use a genderless pronoun. There's no translation in English. Like I think there is. I think yeah. or just say the pronoun. Is. Just say just <laughs> whatever it is. is. Like yeah, um, like you'll you'll It'll be like Spanglish, but for Janai speak, it'll be like Janai-ish, <laughs> and I'll just be, friends. see if they have English. an idea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like there, there are words in English for this, and they're just like mm, it. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like you could have looked they, into that a little bit more there. than not at all. Um, and but so yeah. here, this is kind of an interesting, you know, what I would say it reads like a a, a genuine kind of conversation, like that you know they're. Riker's like, hey, look, this is my dad's pea suit. Um, it's good for cold nights. And he's like, oh, we just, like, sleep with each other. And he's like, like, you can tell he almost, like, choked on his pea suit. <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah. Uh. And so he brings out this stupid nursery rhyme, but that's <laughs> But they are having this conversation about gender, and they're, they're both trying to find a framework to see reality through each other's lens or empathy. And that's good. It's like, uh, this is how you engage with ideas that you're not accustomed to. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of Riker's take on it is, is linked to biological essentialism. Yeah. You have a penis, therefore you're male. Yeah. And therefore it's hard for him to talk about it. He goes to the sort of nursery rhyme you tell kids. Yeah, I know, right? To avoid talking (laughs) about sexual issues. And I think that's, it's very (laughs) fundamental of... You know, this is something that he can't talk about in public. He's got a wing-wang. It gets hard yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, he injects DNA into women as much as he can, as often yeah. as he can. Right, and, <laughs> right. You know, like, like it's hard for him to mention this. It's very uncomfortable for him. Uh, and yet, yeah, it's, I mean, it's he's kind of supposed to. I don't know. It's weird. Like, this notion that he's prudish or, like, somewhat prudish, even though he's, like, a sex fiend <laughs> is, uh, yeah. or, like, I mean, he's not a sex fiend. I don't know. Even though he's supposed yeah, no, to be no, the no. suave he, he's man, a man of action, who enjoys a lot of sex. Yeah. So, it's like that notion is like, oh, geez, I don't know if we can talk about that in public. Oh, really, Riker? You don't know if you can? Like, come on. I've seen you hit on like some uh, alien in a CD bar because you wanted information out of her. Like, you can you can talk about this in public. Yeah, and I think that. The, that duality of Riker, like that cultural issue of men are supposed to like sex, and yet we're not, we don't have any tools to talk about it yeah. as mature adults. Right. Uh, and we can't talk about it on television is a whole lasagna of social yeah. contradictions. And that's, I, kind of, that's kind of what's interesting. Like what this episode does unintentionally, I think, is showcase how monochromatic the notion <laughs> of being a male is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I get you. Cause she'll ask the same thing of Crusher. Like she gets a concussion and Crusher's like, all right, let me, let me do my, do my little thing here. Like she's like, oh, shit, jigs up. I gotta go. <laughs> like she's about to like, she's like, oh, yeah, nope, take my place. Right. I'm gone. I'm, I'm just interchangeable cog. Gotta go. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, yeah. okay. That was, that was jarring. Yeah. She's gonna eventually get yeah, a, we- a concussion, talk to Crusher. And, uh, Riker doesn't know what's going on here. Uh, well, right. I guess we'll talk you, about it when that You comes. understand that there's some tension, though. Right. And we it's just like kind of like let it go, about... I guess. All right. We'll come back to it. Right. It's, and... uh, 
Interesting. Yeah, and so I don't know um, what... Like, there was, like, a little conversation about them being um, who is the better pilot or whatever, and I don't know why they couldn't have done yeah. both. This doesn't seem particularly dangerous to me. I don't... <laughs> what I don't understand is that um, it seems like all you got to do is get to, like, a safe distance and just stay. Like, just don't move. <laughs> just stay. And then let the phasers, like, just take shots until you map out this void space. And I'm sorry. Yes. Riker hears a song he's been waiting to hear his entire life. <laughs> it is funny how like we'll they're doing sing us this the kind song of, of your wing wing. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah. Oh yeah. Um so I, I see you walk with some swagger. Is that because you have a penis? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. And Riker's like, all right, remember what HR said? Remember what HR said? Remember what <laughs> yeah. HR said? Oh, man. Soren does not realize how uh, how tough a spot Riker's in with HR right now. Sorry. We're getting a communication from Jordy. Yeah. Uh, Commander Riker, I just want to say danger zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Copy that, Jordy. Copy that. Um, um, this is kind of funny where he's all like, oh, yeah. Um, we have a fibrous husk and our stuff is less risky. And he just assumes that, oh yeah, it doesn't sound like it's too fun, huh? And well, I mean, uh, it's like, well, hold up. Like, yeah, you, they laid a fibrous egg, but that doesn't mean it isn't fun. You don't know anything about it. I mean, they inseminate a husk. You might as well just gather around a sex toy and take turns. I mean. As it gets more moist. <laughs> I mean, as it gets, uh, maybe, the, maybe everyone. The image. Yeah. Maybe there could be a cleaning cycle. You don't know. I mean, I think that would defeat the purpose. I mean, I'm. Uh, it's like a chia pet. You got to get it wet for it to work. Well, what if it's like a fiber? You have a fiber layer. You inseminate, and then you put another fiber layer, and so it's like a lasagna thing. <laughs> I can see or a that. baklava, like a baklava, a, a baklava of space. <laughs> <laughs> like I know this is. At least 50% my fault, but I'm going to have a lot of editing decisions to make. <laughs> so this is kind of where we get the kind of other shooter drop. We're, we're, we're kind of retro foreshadowing, like, oh, yeah, how um, I was a little weird about Krite. Um, in my planet, um, we generate, we um, evolved to this higher life form. That's how we got these sick bangs. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so anyone, anyone with two genders is pretty primitive, less evolved. And, yeah. you know, that's a little foreshadowing of, like, what the main conflict of this episode is going to be. Yeah, like, that's, I want to know if this is sort of a continuation of our previous conversation. Like, we get a little tension, and now we're yeah. moving the story forward a little bit, yeah. the ostensible story forward a little bit. And uh, that's what we got. Uh, oh, man, I was going to mention something. Oh, she talks about how the notion of gender is primitive. And yeah. To the credit, you know, to the credit of the writers, this is a good episode. Like, I'm sure we're going to hammer it over the next couple of, like, yeah. you know, uh, 30 minutes or so. But, um, bam. Like, the, bam. the way that they treat <laughs> gender as primitive is much the way that we treat people who don't, you know, adhere to a binary of gender or who don't right. stick with the gender that they were assigned at birth. Right. Um, it's, it's a step outside of the gender based norms, and we don't. We do not take kindly to that, generally speaking. Yeah. 
And um, so, she looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> she looks so uncomfortable right here. She's like, <laughs> I don't want these monkeys touching me with their weird primitive weapon, their weird primitive medicine. <laughs> but you know, Crusher's doing yeah. a good job. But you realize she wants to ask a question at Crusher, and this is where we are. Yeah. And these are dangerous questions. I mean, they're like, for us, we read them as completely normal curiosity right. about how the other half. Li- we are at least as curious about Soren. Yeah. And the androgyny of the Junai, she is about us. So I think yeah. we take it in stride because there's an exchange here. Right. We're learning and she's asking us questions and we, they're doing that Star Trek thing where how do we explain in words concepts that we take for granted? Right. Um, yeah, I like this. The yeah. whole kind of like, oh, yeah, you're, you have color, you have makeup and nail polish and stuff. Um, and I love Crusher's response here because like, she says, the, but the males don't... Um, the males don't use color to attra- uh, She's about to say it. Oh, uh, yeah. They want to be yeah. attractive. They just do it differently. They're supposed to not look like they're trying. <laughs> I like yeah, the no well, color. That's that, that is true. <laughs> the, I mean, yeah. You know, the performance of the gender to right. perform. The but it also showcases to, to how, like, how simple kind of the the notion of like the male gender is and it really shouldn't be you know there's a you know and that's kind of touching on like male toxicity of how um you know this notion of like oh the only thing to be a male is like this hyper testosterone macho kind of thing and it that you know there there's some toxic tropes there that we don't need to perpetuate that wouldn't be a good idea to perpetuate um, yeah, well, what Crusher talks about is how men aren't supposed to be concerned with them, the, themselves or their health. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the standards of beauty for women are not always healthy. But yeah. generally speaking, um, these are things that are expected of them. And if it's like, well, Crusher's like, yeah, we're past all that gender stuff. It's like, well, why is it? Why is makeup in the future limited exclusively to women and Spock's eyeshadow? Like, why? <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> You know, and, you know, she admits it herself, like, it's to attract men. It's to be pretty for men. It's like, well, can't you just be pretty for yourself? Can't men be pretty for themselves or right. pretty for women? Yeah. Um, like, they're trying, man. They're trying. Yeah, hard. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I remember in, so in college, I had trouble taking tests. Like, I, I would get a ton of anxiety. And so... Some subjects were easier than others and like subjects that I had trouble with when I had like a midterm or final, I would like dress up like slacks, dress shoes, button down shirt, fix my hair, shave, all that jazz because I felt dangerous. Like I felt like I was hyper competent and I was going to kill this test. And it's just it puts you in a frame of mind, like how you look to yourself puts you in a frame of mind. And when you want a certain frame of mind, you know, and that's different for everyone. Not everyone. I've never yeah. seen anyone else do that. And so, you know, people should be allowed to kind of just dress themselves in however they <laughs> choose to give them whatever frame of mind they want. Also, uh, yeah. I like that, uh, wharf here is kind of our punching bag. It's funny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we, I, I've talked a lot about the, the toxic masculinity of Cleons, and this is in keeping with that. Yeah. Where he's, a, he's a progressive Cleon, but he's still pretty Cleon. Yeah. And he's all like, I don't like this gender, Edith. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Get off my so. lawn. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting here that 
he's really the most masculine person at the table, right? Like Data's just a robot. Yeah. He's like, whatever. I'm here to learn things about humans. And then you have the two women and then the most like masculine dude in the cast. And I like that they don't just like, yeah. like run him off. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, yeah, he says some things, but we can still play poker and we'll, you know, and it'll be fine. Sorry, Data doesn't see gender. People tell him he's male, so he believes that. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I have a file on both male and female. I haven't tried to present as female yet, but it's on my to-do list. Yeah, I got, I got an accessory kit. Like, I mean, whenever he had his kid, he let Lol choose, uh, yeah, her species and gender. Yeah, so I mean, true. it's not like it's that big of a deal for androids, right? Uh, so when you say kind of the least masculine characters, I think you're you're spot on there. All right, so we saw the camera move in, so we know she's about to talk about sex organs again. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this <laughs> this back and forth with her and Riker is right. just this is one escalating conversation with a couple of different. And I like the format. I like how they're kind of building this relationship. It doesn't feel like it's maybe as, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I mean, that's pretty blatant for sure. I like this part where she's talking about, it isn't just me telling you that I find you attractive. There's other problems uh, and it has more to do with my culture. And what I told you is very dangerous. Yeah. And this is where we go from, okay. She can be androgynous and want to bang a dude. I get that. That seems weird and exciting. You could be an, it yeah. could be a kink, uh, yeah. or it could be a yeah. legitimate orientation. But once she starts identifying as female, we are well past right uh, the gay analogy, and so and we are into a trans analogy. Yeah. And so now we, um, you know, now we're like, okay, well, hold up. So then, how is this this androgyny? Is it a like like? It, we're kind of led to believe that it's a um it's kind of like a pr thing like there still are there there are still people that get kind of identify as either male or female and she tells um she tells kind of a story about like a kid and she talks about how like hey how dangerous it is and it's wild because um i can only imagine that that there were you know lesbians and gay dudes in the 90s that felt this way they had to deal with this crap and it's just ugh, it's sad yeah and that's it's interesting she mentions kids in schools because in a way i feel as, as a hypothesis that kids kind of express our true values they don't see it with all of our pretenses right and adults have pretenses and they have to worry about the consequences and saying, hey, look, in a society, you have to worry about how you're going to be treated tomorrow if you're a dick today. Right. And, you know, if you're going to mete out punishment for people, punitive measures on other people, how does that affect you in the future? Um, kids don't worry about that. And I think in a lot of ways that makes them a more honest indicator of our values. Right. And it's very helpful to let them... <clears throat> How can I say that? Um, do praxis of societal real values on other children as a sort of early social corrective action. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, uh, the kids are kids don't. Yeah, kids don't care for sure. And they will um, do what they think is um, societal like like 
group self-regulation, which is like when a group of people get together and if somebody doesn't kind of conform to the group, they kind of like do this kind of forcing them to, hey, no, man, like they rid them until they fall in line. And yeah, while, while I mean, I mean, kids don't have the emotional intelligence or even like the skill to be able to kind of navigate complex issues. So they just they hammer it with just whatever like basic instrument they have at their disposal, usually violence or ridicule. Yeah. And I, you know, that's what a lot of kids get watching, you know, watching a kid grow up like she gets told what to do and how to do it. And there are a lot of restrictions based on her and she is more than happy to repeat that behavior to say, Hey, look, I got to act a certain way. You got to act a certain way. And it's, it's really a weird way of paying forward. I don't know. I don't know if it's a certain brand of parenting or just parenting in general, if that's just how kids see it or if that's inevitable. I don't know. But Soren's telling a really sad story about this kid. Yeah. And uh, I think, did he die at the end? Um, I don't they took him know. Away. No, took he him comes away. back. He, he goes, he goes, he goes off to get nerve stapled and he comes back and he says, oh man, best thing that ever happened. I'm, I'm super glad I got nerve stapled. It was the best. And I think that was yeah. it. And, and she's saying like, Hey, look, uh, don't talk about it. Just, I told you a whole bunch of stuff. I want you to digest it. And, and you know, just, it's a horrifying story. I mean, yeah. And it's like, Whoa. And then you're like, on top of that story, you're like, Jordy, what is with this beard? (laughs) Where did this come from? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, LeVar Burton likes having a beard and the production staff doesn't like him having a beard. Every so well, often, I mean, every so often, LeVar Burton wins it, but yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he looks good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know where that came from. And now I really want, I want, <laughs> I want both, uh, I both, I want both LeVar Burton, um, and well, I want Data and Jordy to like show up with matching beards one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it would just be so adorable. Yeah. It's great. I was like, yes, Jordy, so, uh, I, I noticed that you don't him. always get to have the face hair. I wanted to try the face hair. Because oh, yeah, they're going to have a second uh, a second poker night here in a bit, aren't they? Yeah, right. Like they said, hey, look, you know, there was like a an arm of the void that ate part of the engine for a little bit. And we're going to try again. And I guess they were just like they did a lot of the mapping already. And so now they know the like the whole shape, and they're just like, "Hey, I, what I don't get is why do they just have like a a buoy like attached to a tether, and to where they could have had like a landline that transmitted all of their stuff? Like, how do they? You had to know that you would have trouble with comms once you were in this like not space pocket. Yeah, I mean they 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 suspected. Right, but they could have, like, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You're right, you're right. (laughs) This is more dramatic, (laughs) and they could have rigged up an umbilical. Yeah. They could have brought the Enterprise real close and made an umbilical. Right. Um, And so, and the other, like, kind of piggybacking all that, like, we're we're losing power, right? So we're like, okay, we started at 60 whatever percent. We tried to teleport them, which soon takes a whole bunch of powers. It's like, all right, we're going to try this again. We're at 34 percent. So we're going to have one more try and then we're going to have to bounce. It's like, all right, okay, cool. And so they do it and you don't know if it's going to happen and it does happen. And it's cool. Like, okay, they both get out of the, like, one of you needs to back up now. <laughs> like, put it in reverse. <laughs> get out of the pocket. What are you doing? And like, oh, okay. They were trying to like use more energy, which I feel like is dumb, but whatever. And they're both <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like, 
Yeah. You could totally transport these people in a moving vehicle, right? Like there's no, there's nothing that should stop that. So you could have both solutions, both teleporting me out of the way. And also they're in space with no gravity. So even if you just put them in like the reverse direction and did nothing else, eventually they would fly out of this pocket, right? Like nothing. I mean, it, it drains, it drains energy, Derek. That's <laughs> but, I mean, all the energy. But gravity, but no kinetic. gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, you know, we did our thing where it's all like, hey, look, uh, super risky move and an explosion just for grins. <laughs> yeah. But it totally works. Really also, it's, it makes me realize. Heroic, man. They're heroes. Yeah. It also makes me realize that uh, the med bay is carpeted. And that's kind of gross when you think about it. <laughs> like someone's got cut open. There's like bleeding bowel and pus. And like it's all in that carpet. <laughs> now they got they got. They got guys. They come by. Yeah, they got guys. Are we carpeted every week or so? Yeah, you know, like one of, one of the big questions is, you know, who cleans Picard's office? Okay. Um, Why is that a big question? Uh, you know, my my take is that you know Picard cleans it, or you know maybe Picard has like a lower ranking officer come in and they clean it together. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's Picard's freaking space. Or is, or do we subscribe to like labor theories where Picard's time is too valuable oh, yeah. to spend doing something so menial? Um, and I, I would prefer the Picard picks up after his own damn self and cleans yeah. every so often. Like, Hard what, What's same. the freaking problem? Also, but I mean, robots. Like, oh, I'm sure I mean, Nathan does it. We could also just like, oh, well, we had this problem. I need more time. So I programmed a Roomba. <laughs> I call it data, but you know, it cleans my office. <laughs> so, sir, calling your Roomba my name is racist. <laughs> racist. Oh, data, now stop it. Not you, Roomba. Get back. We can just fix that. The Roomba goes, stopping vacuuming. <laughs> no, data, keep going. <laughs> and so, um, I like this. They're at a social gathering. Riker's like, yeah, no, I can't. I can't do this too much, which I'm like, you 100% can. Don't give me that garbage. Maybe he just doesn't have enough alcohol in the system. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's dangerous. For what? For them two to be together. Oh, oh no. I, I was talking. Yeah. But like before this happened, he was like, oh, sit now. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I can't can't hang with all of this stuff. But yeah, maybe he is just trying to kind of give her yeah. space. Give maybe. the space. It seems like. He was like, he would know that's dangerous. I mean, I, you're right, though. Like, Riker should be like a fish in water at a social right. function. And so um, you can tell that Soren's being overlooked uh, heavily, babysat, if yeah. you will, by Krite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess maybe uh, she, her, either her cover's blown or maybe they suspected for a non-zero amount of time. Um, yeah, yeah. People suspect, man. I mean, in yeah. a in a tightly policed culture, suspicion is always rampant. I mean, one of yeah, the surest ways to not be suspected is to suspect other people. Yeah, hundred percent. Really, um, Riker? On Riker's planet? like, hey, let's let's be dangerous, huh? You know, uh, forbidden fruit and all that. Let's let's make out, huh? You want to make out? I, I mean, know it's, it's dangerous, and you could decision. die, and I'm not going to die. They're not going to, but 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 let's make out anyway. 
like also soaring. He's got a beard. No one on this planet has a beard. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. You can't go uh, that deep and that hard the first time with a yeah, beard. You got to you got to build up a resistance. Yeah. You're you're in uncharted territory. It's uh it's a thing. You got to wait. Yeah. Like they didn't actually catch them kissing. They're just like soaring. What happened to your face? <laughs> yeah, her, her face oh, is all red. Is, yeah. <laughs> Is there something... Oh, yeah, it's oh. red. What did you... Fall face first into a Oh, no, uh, I'm allergic cactus? to some flower that's very prickly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, I ate, like, three kiwis, man. It was bad. Yeah. Anyway. I never learned to eat kiwis, so I just kind of rub them on my f- lips first. Just to make sure. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> Riker's <laughs> like, hey, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, past history stuff. Oh, look, I bet you're like this bear. I gotta talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean the, the the notion that you know what we see on the screen is simply an acceptable version where all deviations from the, the norm of 1990s America um, are only presented to us in so much as they're relevant to the plot right um, is you know and therefore the races appear to have two genders whenever that's not important when it right. is they don't um I mean, I only say that specifically because I was thinking about a, a Star Trek fan fiction artist who makes Troy into like a, a six-eyed llama thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. And she has like the curly long hair. Yeah. And she's telepathic and everything, but she's yeah. just very alien in her appearance. So when he picks up the bear and goes, this looks like you, I'm like, well, for all we know, it sort of could. And that's what her beta <laughs> half looks like. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, I like this kind of relationship here. I imagine we're kind of led to believe this is like the first time they've had that conversation, but you know it's not the first time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Troy's like, ah. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, someone's very important to me. Oh, truck. hold up for a second. Let me mark my calendar. Oh, yeah, we're on a new week. Okay, cool. <laughs> Riker's fallen in love again. <laughs> but if anyone on this ship knows that it's real every time, it's Deanna frickin' Troy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she's she got even the Mzadi link to back it up. So now Riker's like, hey, where's Soren? He's like, oh, we sent her off to get nerve stabled. Uh, there's a bit of a process first, so you got time. I mean, no, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry. You, you do make a good point about the clothes being fairly... I mean, there's a lot of color there. There's a lot of different cuts there. The style yeah, but I mean, if you t- if you took a slice, like go to New York, one city, and just take a slice of everyone, it is not going to look that uniform. Like everyone is basically the yeah. same, save different colors. Like it is not going to look like that. Yeah, and and as we go into the big court where Riker does something incredibly noble and tries to take the blame for this, right? Um, you know, we are in one of those allegories where. Uh, they say, hey, look, look at look at this minority oppression. Yeah. If we were to turn the tables and you guys, the majority, were on the receiving end of this, wouldn't it be cruel and malicious? And I, I appreciate what those stories are trying to do. And I think that some of them are good. Ray Bradbury wrote a story called The Other Foot, where all the black folks on Earth or America went to Mars. Okay. And they're like, screw you guys. And then they get they hear on the radio that nuclear war finally happened and that the survivors are coming to Earth. And they're like, oh, yeah, white people are going to get a taste of their own medicine. Yeah. And they set up all these signs on the drinking fountains and they set up all these Jim Crow laws. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be sweet justice. 
but when the people actually get out of the ships, like they're just so awful. And they're miserable and wretched, and they've yeah. lived through a nuclear apocalypse, and they're refugees. And, you know, the people of Mars are just like, okay, yeah, n- never mind. Yeah, never oh, mind. yeah, our bad. Uh, it's, <laughs> our bad. It's incumbent thought, upon we, us to be better than we that. We thought it was going to be a joke. You know, we got a lot of time here <laughs> on Mars. Okay, super, our bad. We'll, we'll apologize. Right, We'll take all the signs down. <laughs> yeah. And so, right and here, I think that's a... And that, that's a good way to reverse the story. Because if right. you don't reverse the story, what you have is... Something that could be interpreted as, oh, if the situations were reversed, they would do the same thing to us. And that is a very dangerous message to send. Right. Because you don't know that. <laughs> like, there are a lot of things that we don't know here. And so this is where we're kind of kind of given a whole bunch of just taking things at face value. You know, we really haven't – we don't know how they're androgynous. Um, we know that they present like certain – there's like this presenting of certain genders. Riker comes in here and says, hey, look, my bad, my fault, blame me. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you really just kind of supporting the status quo here? I mean, yeah, you know, you're trying to keep Bay from getting nerf stapled. You know, props. Um, what about everyone else? And then and then she's like, no, I'm not going to do lies anymore. I'm going to stand up for myself. I, I'm going to give this kind of – I'm going to give my own version of Bricard's speech. And this is <laughs> – and so she's like she, – and she, she – tears in her eyes, hammers at home. It, it, it definitely sounds like she is advocating for like her culture. And um, the bureaucrat eventually is like, all right, cool. Take her off to get nerve stable. <laughs> and you're like, well, what? Yeah. Melinda Kalea, I believe, is the name of the woman who plays Soren. Okay. And uh, she's she's one of our few guest stars who gives a Picard speech. She yeah. gives the hell out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, she's nailing it. And to to be so moved by something and to have the judge go, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All I heard from that was how guilty you were. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, good job on admitting your guilt. This is going to make this a lot easier. Everyone take her away. Like, whoa, what? I'm, and even even like Riker, we feel like Riker was like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no. This is the yeah. part where you let her do what she wants, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, heavens no. But the Picard speech, they're going to play the credits. <laughs> the credits are just right um, around the corner. Like, how utterly indifferent to compassion Right. How unempathetic these people are. Um, right. And how all they can hear is uh, the things that they need to hear to punish people. Right. And like, um, you know, yeah. And, you know, she's saying right now, like, hey, listen, we give a damn about our members and she's sick and we're trying to fix her. In any other situation, like if this person was cancer and you're like, you know, we're yeah. taking her away, we're taking her off duty, we're going to take care of you. Like, oh, yeah, cool, sweet. But you're like, okay, um, she's a sexual deviant. Sexual deviancy is is a disease. You're like, whoa, hold up. Whoa, you said a lot yeah. of things that aren't true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I want to mention that uh, the Orville has like a half dozen episodes about this, and they managed to do it about half as well as this one, honestly. <laughs> Dang. Um I mean, there are hearts in the right place. Striker, you can but, take him. Um, trust me. Like you're like a foot taller than everyone in this room. <laughs> yeah, just... that that is worth that is worth mentioning. That uh, I believe all the Janai are played by female. Yeah, and one reason I I stand Jonathan Frakes is because uh, one he he's earned it. Two, yeah, he wanted to do a, he wanted to do a guy when he's making out with. Uh, Soren, he's like, I make it a guy. I want this to mean something. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to do it. 
Jonathan Frakes, yeah. I'll do it. And they're like, oh, God, That's cool. America's not ready for that. We don't want to repulse anybody with this <laughs> oh, geez, visual display yeah. of two And that's kind of what this felt like. It's like, like oh, hey, we want to tell, like, uh, what's it like to be homosexual in today's culture and, like, and like the problems that they have. is like, oh, yeah, standard practice is not going to let us do that. Ooh, what if we just flip the whole gender thing? I'm like, oh, okay, that could work. And they went with it. And here, um, you know, what I wanted to say is that eventually – Picard's trying to play a diplomat. He's like, I got to do this stuff. And he's like, listen, uh, Prime Directive, man, is prohibited. And it got me thinking a lot about the Prime Prime Directive. And I feel like the result of it is it makes it feel like we're in this very large federation of planets that isn't just humans, but everyone stays in their lane. You know, Vulcans are over here. Klingons over there. um, You know, a whole bunch of Bajorans over here. All Well, I guess they're not part of the Federation. But anyway, people, all the aliens in the Federation all stay in their land. There's no mixing. There's no... But there is. And so, like, the way he kind of uses the Prime Directive here makes it just feel like it's a narrative device to say, like, nope, everything's the same. Also, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to that. He's, I yeah, mean... He's, He's preparing for the black In two op. episodes, we've gone from a barely perceptible bromance to a pretty solid let's thumb and lose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, bromance. like Worf is just walking down the hall, you know, just like with his iPad. He's like, uh-oh, somebody's planning a black op. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's Riker. Uh, oh, I got to meet him now. Riker, I need you to sign something. Also, are you planning a black op? I want in. <laughs> Yeah, and it's good. And this is the kind of rogue action to do something good. Like, the consequences here are real. Yeah. And um, his eyes are gleaming. He's like, I'm coming. <laughs> he's like, I don't even need your permission. I'm coming. <laughs> he's the chief of security. That involves far less breaking and entering than he wants, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, it's it's good. It put a big, stupid grin on my face. I like that Worf is like, hell yeah, man. Let's go break your weird thing out of jail. <laughs> Like, easy, Worf. Easy. <laughs> like, I get you're doing me a solid, but you need to kind of step it back a little bit. Man, Worf is a little confused, but it's hard to know the right place, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's confused, but he's like, hey, man, you give me something to punch, I'm in. I am so in. Oh, yeah. Also his fists. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the two key parts of Worf are in the right place. Yeah. Part fists. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and Although, so this I guess is... They're also- this is kind of a classic, like, Kirk thing, right? Like, what they're about to do here is, like, yeah. they hide, <laughs> and then, like, oh, no, surprise, shock and awe. I ask a disarming question, and then, like, take out one, and my guy takes out the other. Look at his, like, <laughs> look at his stance right there. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's, rah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, he's just so excited. one of them falls like, over, like, do we feel like anything to you? No, it's like punching out a pile of bricks. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> I feel kind of bad, honestly, but it's fine. I, as long it, it's what a warrior would do. <laughs> um, there were two of them. It's fair. Riker, tell them it was fair. I'm in the middle of a thing war. Yeah, I'm in um, the I'll, I'll get back to you. And so he is very like passionate. Like he, like he's more passionate than he's been this whole episode. Um, I feel. Um, but um, this is where he learns that she's already been nerve stabled, and that's kind of sad. I'm sorry. What's with the stylish neckline on his tactical turtleneck? I just—it's <laughs> a, ta- a tactic. It's got a swoop on it and a line. I just—it's how they express themselves a- through through turtleneck language. Sorry. Uh. So yeah, yeah. She's already been. Um, 
chemically yeah. treated. Yeah, they, and there's, like, there's this a is, phrase for it. I forget what a psychotactic. Yeah, psychotactic, I believe. And like this lands yeah. with me. Like I'm like, like that whole like like a 180 and how um it doesn't feel forced or conflicted. Like she says, I'm sorry. Like that is. Whew, boy, like that lands. You're like, oh yeah. man, like that, because you're in the you're you're in the twilight zone. You're like, oh crap, you they already got you, and he gone. doesn't know what to do now, and that's wild. And apparently, Picard, yeah. like we're about to learn that Picard knew the whole time, and he's just like, yeah, whatever, not going to report it because <laughs> I'm Papa Picard. <laughs> a little indiscretion is fine. <laughs> like, look, we all. Uh... A little bit of assault does not violate the prime directive. Yeah. We all know the rules <laughs> of the Black Ops. We told them it was op. ghosts. We, we all know the rules of the Black Op. If you don't get caught, it never happened. <laughs> they called up here, said that Soren said you punched a few people, <laughs> tried to kidnap her. We told him it was ghosts. <laughs> yeah. We've seen so many ghosts. You said they're like, really we, ghosts? And we're like, oh god, so many ghosts. <laughs> you want ghosts? We got ghosts. And they're like, god, oh, no, we yeah. don't want space ghosts. Like, nope. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, uh, but we do have to boogie because if we stay here longer, they're gonna understand what's up. Send the five zero. <laughs> All right, let's bounce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, set warp speed to get away. <laughs> it's. We laugh. We laugh to keep from crying. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a pretty heavy ending. It's yeah, and you we have that kind of um, we have that close up of Riker and it's uh yeah i mean yeah we don't know what where it's heads at but we could understand if it's in a dark place cuz it feels dark yeah so it sucks but final thoughts the outcast um you know i like i like the ambition of this um i think some of it falls flat and i think part of it is just because of the lack of vocabulary, whether or not, you know, and I hope it was just a matter of they couldn't find it and not that it didn't look, <laughs> but you yeah. know, I mean, it's mm. anyway, I mean, I, so I, I least, I least the story was told in a, in an okay way. And, but looking at the lens of, of 2020 back at this, you know, so what 30, well, 20 some odd years ago, it, it feels like it could be, it would could do well with like some some refreshing but um it was good i mean it's you know I, there are parts of it i like and there are parts of it i just wish um were kind of better executed yeah i you know star trek is sort of known for doing this type of allegory taking a, a salient social issue and wrapping it in a science fiction allegory and putting that message in there. I think this is fairly uh, bedrock Star Trek, but the thing about allegory is that it isn't the thing that it's talking about. So there's always some issue. There's always some way, uh, like there's an episode about torture in this series later. And in America, we still have people who watch Star Trek who are pro torture. And it's like, did you not watch Star Trek? And they're like, but that's different. And, (laughs) It's frust- it's frustrating to have a message yeah. with, with a cle- with what you think is a clear moral lesson. Right. And someone else watched it, they get a completely different lesson. Also an episode of Star Trek about that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. uh you know, I, I think there's always a limit to it. And I think this is 
Uh, I think this is one of the stronger episodes of the series. Uh, and I'm glad it exists. I think it's good. Yeah, I, I am. I, ultimately, I'm glad it exists. A hundred percent. And, you know, I... <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a lower bar when you say it. I don't know why. I mean... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I did not intend it to be a lower bar. I do not intend. I, it I don't think you did. I, I, think you did. I, I want all of the th- all of the the noble and high minded things it wants to say to be shattered from the roof stops. I just there's some things here that I feel like are problematic uh, and not yeah. just in execution. You know because it, it anyway. You. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so whew, that was kind of a difficult week, one, even from our perspective, wasn't it? <laughs> Anyway. There was a point where I was like, should I just let him keep talking? If I'm quiet, <laughs> how far will this go? <laughs> but <laughs> next week yeah. we are watching Cause and Effect. All right. And so uh, what we see from Netflix in the card is Picard looking very intently. Uh, like he's having a conversation with Troy. Troy kind of doing her counselor gig, trying to let him know that she's high. And this is the summary we get uh, from Netflix. The Enterprise gets caught in a time loop, which always has one result, total destruction of the ship. Okay. So Groundhog Day, yeah. the Star Trek version. It's <laughs> It has, I think, the second greatest cold open in the history of television. Uh, but we'll talk about it. All righty. Next week. And until then, remember Rand. Remember Rand. I'll make this short because no one likes credits. Star Trek is property of CBS Television Studios and Paramount Pictures. We are watching Star Trek on Netflix. We are talking over Discord. And we are recording and editing on Audacity. The Beige and the Bold is hosted on Anchor and can be found on most podcasting platforms. I would also like to thank our senior officer Patreons for supporting the Beige and the Bold. They also make video editions of this podcast and remasters of old episodes possible. So thank you to Tracker by Moonlight and Miss Jess. If you have any questions or concerns about the show, please contact me at vanvelding at gmail.com or on Twitter at vanvelding. Thank you and remember Rand.